Romans uh, chapter 12. We began to look at Romans chapter 12 here uh, several weeks ago, considering the what, the why, and the way of the will of God. And uh, we looked at the what of the will of God is that we seek that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We looked at the why of the will of God is because he ex- has given us mercy and grace that we do not deserve. And we looked at the way of the will of God is to give our body a living sacrifice to God and not be conformed to this world and seek to be conformed to the mind of God. And so, again, we looked at the first few verses there in Romans chapter 12. I like to begin here in Romans chapter 12, here in verse number 3, and we'll read down to verse number 8 as we consider tonight understanding grace offices. Grace offices or grace gifts. And consider that here tonight. Understanding grace offices or grace gifts. Let's begin in verse number three. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt uh, to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every member, every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministry or he that teaches on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. I want to consider here tonight what I call the grace offices or the grace gifts. There are seven of them. And we're going to consider some thoughts on these things tonight. But let's pray before we begin here tonight. Father, thank you again for your word here tonight. We thank you again for a Bible we can open, a country we still can meet in. Again, I thank you again for... Uh, the Word of God that can be a help and a benefit to hear. I pray it would be here tonight. Again, just bless this time again as we meet. We pray this in Jesus' name. For sake, amen. As we consider what I call the grace offices, one might wonder what I'm talking about, grace offices. That sounds maybe weird, maybe that same, maybe sound different. But I want you to see in verse number three and verse number four, the Bible does talk about offices or gifts that we all, after salvation, partake in or are given by God to us. Uh, we see in verse number three, it says, For I say through the grace given to unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as uh, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. The Bible talks about the same office. And I want to talk here briefly to begin with about offices in the Bible. The Bible indeed describes here in the Bible a grace office, an office given to us by God. Again, when we think about the word office, it generally means a duty a charge, a trust, a responsibility. 
We think about someone who has been appointed to the judgeship, maybe of the United States, to the Supreme Court. We say they have the office of a judge. We think of someone who maybe has the office of a treasurer or maybe the office of a sheriff or the office of a commander or commander-in-chief or the office of a police officer or whatever it might be. That's normally what we think about when it comes to offices. But I want to consider here some of the offices the Bible talks about. There are 45 verses that deal with this word office. Let's begin by going back, if you could, with me back to Exodus chapter 1. When I say an office, I mean something that God has given to you or you are involved with and something, again, that maybe you are committed to or or maybe called to or or maybe, again, uh, given the responsibility of. And as we look in the Bible, we see this word office used in several different passages. I want to start, first of all, uh, considering the office of the midwife. And uh, it talks about the office of the midwife. Now we think of offices. Do you have an office in your church, office in your home, office uh, in the business, whatever it might be? No, we're not talking about that uh, so much here tonight, but we're talking about the responsibility, the charge, the trust, the duty of a midwife. Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 16 talks clearly in the Bible about this. In verse 16, it says, and, and he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew woman, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then thou shalt kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did, as the king of, did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. And so these midwives had an office of responsibility to the children. Now, if you're, again, someone who's overseeing, again, the responsibility of uh, children in general, you would seek to save children, you would seek to help children, you would seek to, again, in this case, deliver children being born to, to mothers there. And, and these midwives had the office of a midwife. Now, someone says, well, that's, not an office I think about, but it is a responsibility. It is a trust. It is a charge. It is a duty that some people are even involved with today. They have the office of a midwife. Let's turn, if you would, to First Chronicles chapter 9. One of the offices you're probably most familiar with in the Bible is that of the office of the priest. Again, that's probably the first thing that maybe would come to mind when it comes to people and the word of God, that office of the priest or the priesthood. And I just want to read here briefly about this in the Bible. And again, I think this sets a setting for what it means to be given a grace office. And again, we'll talk about what that more specifically means here in just a bit. First uh, Chronicles chapter 9 and verse number uh, 28, if you would. First Chronicles chapter 9 and verse number 28. The Bible says, and, and certain of them had the charge of the ministering vessels, that they should bring them in and out by the tail. And some of them also were appointed to oversee the vessels, all the instruments of the sanctuary, the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the frankincense, and the spices. And some of the sons of the priests made the ointment of the spices. And Mathaniah, uh, one of the Levites, who was first born to Shalem, uh, the Korahite, had the set office of the things that were made in the pans. 
And it goes on and says some other things, but you'll see in the Bible they had offices, they had responsibility. It mentions this guy specifically. Uh, we really don't know much about him, but it says there in verse 31, Matthiah, however you say that, Matthiah, it says he was set over the things that were made in the pan. So he was involved with food. He was involved with the priesthood. He was involved with a particular responsibility or duty or charge or trust. And he was to do this according to the will of God and by the will of God. And so the Bible describes not only the office of the midwife, not only the office of the priesthood. But let me have you turn in the New Testament to Romans chapter 11 as Paul spoke of the same office. We have not all the same office. All members of the church have not the same office. He talked about his particular office back here in Romans chapter 11, verse number 13. The Bible says, For I speak to the Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. What was Paul's role or responsibility in life? He was an apostle. He was sent to the Gentiles. That was his role, his responsibility, his duty, if you would. And that was what he was called to do. There's another office. Let's turn quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Again, uh, just looking at this thought of offices and trying to tie this again to Romans chapter 12. And hopefully, again, uh, maybe uh, give you a maybe more sense of the responsibility of uh, what we see in Romans chapter 12. But uh, 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible tells us of another familiar office in the New Testament. It says, this is a true saying, if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. A husband of one wife, it goes on from there. The office of a bishop is the office of a pastor or elder or leader in the church. And with that office, you'll look at that passage there. You'll find that there are responsibilities, there are qualifications, the things people should do and should not do. Again, it mentions also, if you read a little further down in verse number eight, there's the deacon. And uh, the Bible even talks about the office of the deacon. It says the office of the deacon in verse number 10. It says, let these first be proved. Uh, then let them use the office of the deacon being found blameless. And the office of deacon is that of being a servant. The office, of, uh, again, of the midwife is to deliver children. Again, the office of the evangelist there, the apostle Paul, is to bring the gospel to the world. The office of the bishop is that to be a, a teacher, a preacher, someone who guides the church of God. But let's turn back to Romans chapter 12. I just want to mention here tonight there's an office that maybe we don't talk about that much. And maybe, again, me calling it a grace office might not quite be perfect as far as what it be called. But I, I see here in the Bible that Paul calls it an office. And he, and he tells us there in verse number three that we're given grace and we're not to be puffed up concerning things that are given to us. And then he says there in verse number four, for as ye have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are in one body in Christ and every one members one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether it be prophecy, let us prophesy uh, according to the portion of faith and 
or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching and goes on from there. But I want to just mention, you, there are varying offices in the Bible. There seems to be an office, again, or responsibility of gifts that are given uh, to us. And yet when you come to churches, many times you find churches, and again, I just want to mention this kind of as a aside, if you would, but you see churches many times being very much homogeneous in nature. Again, that's a big word, but same in nature. Homogeneous in nature. By this, I mean the Bible says in verse number six, it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. And so everybody in a church ought to be somewhat different, having different gifts. But you'll find again, many times people will actually go to a church based on whether they feel like they would like the personal interests of the church or the preference interests of the church or the flavor of the pastor of the church or like the way things are taught in the church. Likes many times are likes in a church. And you could go to a church and you could find what I would call the fun-loving church. Everything's about fun. They're involved with fun and everybody's doing what's fun, etc. And it's a fun-loving church. You might go to a church and it's a young family church and the church is all about young families or it may be a military type of church. Everybody has to be militaristic to be a part of the church. Or it might be a political type church that's a lot about politics. Or it could be a yuppie-like church. Or it could be any kind of church. But normally you'll find churches uh, to seem to be homogeneous. A sports-oriented church or a hunting-oriented church or whatever it might be. Yet the Bible says here the churches should be differing. Certainly differing in gifts, but also differing in peoples. Let's turn, if you look back to Romans chapter 1. Now, this might seem like an odd point to bring to a message, but I think it's a good point to bring to a message that, again, in our life experience, we're not to be looking for maybe a church that is maybe so much like us, but maybe maybe a church where we could fulfill a responsibility in that church that could be a help to others in the church or outside the church. I look at the church at Rome. What was it like? Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 describe what it was like. It says, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. You know, churches should be diverse in nature. I'm not saying they have to be, but I think it's good for them to be. What if a church was just full of preachers? Someone said, boy, that'd be a wonderful church to be a part of. What if a church was just full of, as it talks about, mercy givers? People all focus on mercy. Or a church full of exhorters. Who would they have to exhort? But they were all exhorters. And so churches ought to be diverse. And I believe God, again, makes churches sometimes diverse. And we are all diverse, really, if you think about it. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It doesn't have to be a matter of color. 
you know, people are all into that diversity, color, or thoughts on, you know, different other crazy things. But I, I, the reality is we all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different passions. We have all different abilities. We all have different personalities. We all have different life experiences. And so churches, again, should be diverse. We're not all to be eyes or ears or noses, as it talks about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verse number 17, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? The whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body is as pleased him. If they all are one member, where's the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. All different parts, all different and diverse. Not all eyes, not all ears, not all noses. Uh, churches ought to be uh, diverse, not homogeneous in nature, right? I think you see that in the Word of God. I think you see that in, in good, healthy churches. There should be diversities and personalities and different passions and abilities and life experiences and all these help the body. They don't hinder the body. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 12. They certainly can hinder the body if someone, again, uh, takes and, and, and somebody has a different personality than somebody else and they pick on their personality over this person's personality or... This person has a life experience that's different than somebody else's life experience and, and maybe they've gone through a lot of troubles and trials in life and someone else might say, well, I mean, the Christian life, it's just, it's easy. There's nothing to it. I mean, it's all been roses and cream for me. Different passions. Someone might like something. Someone might not like something. These all can help the body. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, having, then diff varying, uh, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Skip to verse 8. He that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. These things allow us to minister these things mentioned here in Romans 12 are many times talked, I mean, spoke of as the gifts of serving, seven gifts of serving, or as I would call here tonight, seven grace offices, offices that each one of us who have been saved by grace have been put into one of these particular offices. But I want to continue on here tonight. We see the fact of diversity and graces. We see that uh, grace and diversity uh, certainly is what God intended for us, but we also see grace gifts or grace offenses are to be used within the church. And now uh, we find this here in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, also, let's turn over there if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God gives gifts, spiritual gifts to children of God after they've been saved by grace these are not gifts that they uh, maybe try to enhance through practice or whatever it might be, but they're just gifts. They're abilities, they're tendencies that these believers have been gifted with. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
Uh, we find in the Bible that these grace gifts are to be used. It starts out here. Let's start at the beginning here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not did you have, be ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried onto these dumb idols, even as they were led. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And let no man uh, say, uh, can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Again, that's a key verse when it comes to gifts in verse 7. The reason for gifts is to profit, to profit the church, the prophet, the world, the prophet, God. And he goes on and mentions some of these gifts. In verse 8, he says, To one is given the, of the Spirit the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, of, the same, of another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning the spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. And then skip, if you were to verse 28 with me. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now tonight to cover the subject of gifts or grace gifts, I only can cover so much here tonight, but I want to mention here tonight these grace gifts are to be used in the body. And they're diverse in the body. I believe there's equality to a large degree in gifts. You can't say, I, I, I've been given this gift. This gift is better than the gift you have. I've been given the gift of giving. It certainly outweighs the gift of prophesying or teaching. Or someone says, I got the gift of prophesying. And that's certainly better than the gift of mercy or help or whatever it might be in the church. In the church, these gifts are to be used. Gifts are to be exercised. It doesn't matter how young or how old one is, one should use their gifts. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you've been saved by grace, God saved you to put you in the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and uh, to give your body over to God, to use your gifts in the church of God to be helped. Not only within the church, but without the church. And uh, we see again here a case of gifts mentioned here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11. And uh, we find actually the gift that Timothy had. What was his gift? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11, it says, These things command and teach that no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, to thy come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given to thee by prophecy, for the laying, hand, uh, laying on of the hands of presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may be to all. What are gifts for? Profiting of all. And Timothy was to preach 
the word of God to be a blessing to all. In fact, it says there in verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing them thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so gifts are to be used. And so Paul tells Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. He's been given a gift, and he's used that gift. As we talk about gifts and the grace office, I do want to mention briefly this thought of talents. And I do this because I, I believe the Bible does, to some degree, speak on the subject of talents. A talent is something you are given genetically. I believe that is true. I think you could see that in somebody else. You could see it possibly in a four-year-old kid who is musically talented. You say musically talented? Yes, I say musically talented. Somehow, before he was saved by grace, God gave him talent when it comes to music. And he has the wherewithal to play with both hands. <laughs> Not only can he play with both hands, but he can play maybe what takes people many years of training to do when it comes to music. And then you say, okay, well, maybe there's not this idea of talents. But yet, you'll find some people that are definitely talented in certain areas. Artistically talented. Have you heard of someone that's artistically talented? How many of you still do stick figures when you're 25, 30 years old, practically, when it comes to drawings? Raise your hand now. No, just kidding. But a lot of us, myself included, I'm not going to draw a picture of myself ever. I mean, maybe if I was forced to, maybe someone paid me a million dollars to, uh, maybe that there's a great incentive to do it or whatever it might be, but when it comes to artistic abilities, uh, some have it, some don't. Do you believe that? I do. I mean, uh, again, when it comes to genetics, I see why I call talents. People can be artistically talented. People can be physically talented. People can be musically talented. Genetically, they are made up somewhat different. Somehow, some way, they're just different. Some people, when it comes to mathematics, it's just incredible. Some children, mathematics. I'm not talking just average kids liking math. I'm talking mathematics and science and even linguistics. I mean, they're speaking multiple languages when they're very young. You say, where, where did they get that? Genetically, somehow, God made them that way. And so, again, when it comes to a talent, that's something we are gifted by God with. Does the Bible speak at all of this? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 31. I do believe it does. I do believe it does. And again, someone says, I argue it doesn't. I, again, when you think about talents... If you really even think about your life in general, your life and my life was given to us by God on purpose. We were given a life by God on purpose. God created us. God made us. God allowed us to come into this world on purpose. We're not a mistake. We're not an accident. You know, everybody else can talk about accidents, mistakes when it comes to people, but I don't believe in that when it comes to people. And so God can gift us, just like he can gift people after they're saved by grace, gifts. I believe at birth or before birth, he sometimes gives people talents. A case of this, I believe here in the Bible that we could talk about, 
is a case of some uh, men who were allowed to work on the tabernacle. Let's read about them a little bit. Exodus chapter 31 and verse number one, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Basileel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold, in silver, and in brass, in cutting of stones to set them, and carving in timber uh, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, have given him Aholiah, the son of Ahishamesh, or something like that, of the tribe of Dan. In the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. God put that stuff in it. Be able to create these things that the tabernacle needed. I mean, all the things in the tabernacle, all those things in the tabernacle, he gifted these men to be able to do. And it says that. I believe it says that in so many words. It says they're not only of giving him uh, the spirit of God, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. He gave him in all manner of workmanship. So you could give him lumber to work with and steel to work with, any kind of thing to work with, work with your hands, stone to work with, whatever it might be. Just give him this uh, ability to work with these things by God. Did he use them? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 35. He absolutely did. Uh, he was not only given to this world to work in the tabernacle, he used these things in the tabernacle to bring about the will of God. And so God, I believe, sometimes gives people talents even prior to their salvation to be used for the glory of God and uh, for other things. And, and certainly, again, uh, God gifts uh, people with different things uh, that they should be able to use for his glory. Exodus chapter 35, verse 30 it says, and Moses said on the children of Israel, see the, that the Lord had called by name Basileel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, same guy. And filled him with the spirit of wisdom and wisdom and understanding and all knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise curious works, to work with gold, silver, brass, and in cutting of stone to set them and carvings of wood to make them any manner of cunning work. And he put it in his heart that he may teach both he and Eliab, the son of uh, Abishak in the, in the tribe of Dan, them if he filled with the wisdom of heart to work in all manner of work and engravers and, and cunning workmanship and embroidery and in uh, purple and, and scarlet and fine linen and weaver and, and any kind of work and, and those to devise cunning work. So he could work with anything. Didn't matter if it was cloth, didn't matter if it was wood, didn't matter if it was gold or silver, brass, whatever it might be. God put this guy the ability to work with all these things. You read on, next chapter it says, Then wrought Basil and Eliab, and every wise-hearted man, whom the Lord hath put wisdom and understanding, to know to work with all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all the Lord had commanded them. And Moses called Basileel and Eliab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even every man whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work, to do it. 
And uh, you can go back. I just want to mention this. Uh, verse number 25, it says, And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought uh, that which they had spun, both blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. Wise-hearted, given this ability, heart of mind, to be able to do special works and, and things for the Lord. God gifts us, I believe, not only with gifts after salvation, but also with talents and ability to be used of God for his glory. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 at verse number 6. They say, many people say, that talents are genetic and uh, gifts are given by grace. And I think that's how one should see it. Uh, genetics, to a large degree, uh, again, that's how God creates us, etc., um, that, that makes us a certain way. Um, we find here, again, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, verse number 6 and verse number 7, that God has the ability to give us good things anytime and anytime and every time. Uh, whenever he disposes to, to give or gift or, or bless someone with something, they should do and, and use that for the glory of God, for the good of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 6 and verse number 7, it says, These things, brethren, I have in figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, and that none of us be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why does a glory as if thou hadst not received it? Now, I just want to mention the church of Corinth had all kinds of problems with spiritual gifts. In fact, if you read in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, uh, they're all puffed up about their supposed, supposed gift of speaking in tongues and that kind of thing. But I just want to mention this. These gifts are given to us to profit other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7, what does it say there? It says there, at verse of, that thou, uh, it says, And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And now if thou didst receive it, why does thou glory in it, as if thou didst not receive it? I want to turn over to James chapter 1, and I want to talk about one more thing before I'm done here tonight. The dangers of gifts that are given, or even talents that are given. Again, I, I believe gifts and talents are different, and again, uh, people might define them differently or, or somewhat differently, but I believe God actually gives us certain things that, again, that, that can be enhanced or things that, again, sometimes that, that we just have that we don't really work at, that we've been given graciously by God. Uh, that we may be given these talents at birth, and then gifts give given different gifts later on. Uh, first, uh, Timothy mentions again these gifts to be used of God. James chapter 1 and uh, verse number 17. The Bible says this, a, a familiar ver verse there. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the fathers of light, in whom is no variableness, no shadow of turning. Every good gift, every perfect gift. So all gifts, good gifts and perfect gifts come from above. And these gifts are to be used in the church. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. 
But there are some dangers to gifts and some dangers to talents. Two major things that, uh, again, that are dangers or, or trip-ups or troubles when it comes to gifts and talent. First of all, one can be one that brags or is proud about his gift or his talent. Uh, we're not to be someone who gets proud or uh, someone, again, who gets lifted up by our talent or our gifts that we have maybe in the church or given by birth. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace that is given to me, and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gives us sakes. And uh, again, whatever they might be, uh, we, we have them not because somehow we're better than somebody else, but God has graciously given them to us. Our gift is no better than others' gifts, or our talents may not be any better than anybody else's talents, but people might think, you know, something's number one, something's number two, whatever it might be. So we see bragging and pride can be a problem when it comes to talents or to gifts. There's a danger of pride in you, my gift. I don't think your gift is good, or whatever it might be. Again, people can seek to cancel out somebody else's gift, but be thankful for the gift that you have. Um, verse number six is, is having then uh, gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether it be prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of grace or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teaches on teaching, or, 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 let. All these things are to be used. So I want to just mention here, what's the dangers of a grace gift, or uh, grace offices, or things given to us graciously of God? It's secondly, not only to brag, to be proud about the gift, but secondly, to neglect the gift. The gift here of prophesying. And some have equated that, and I just want to just mention that with both evangelizing or preaching or sermonizing. Some have that gift. There's a neglect of just service in general. And some people have a gift of serving. It mentions there uh, ministry, verse number 7. And then it mentions in verse number 7 also teaching. And some people have the ability to teach what they've been taught to other people. Maybe a Barnabas-type person, uh, uh, being able to Barnabas other people to teach to take what you've learned and, and teach somebody else what you've been taught. And then it mentions that of exhortation. Some people, again, challenging other people to continue in the faith. And that of giving. Some people have the ability to give. Let them do it with simplicity. Him that ruleth. And again, the ruler, maybe a bishop, but overseer. Let him do it with diligence. He that showeth mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. And so we see some grace offices or grace gifts. Again, we see them here in the Word of God, and we see, again, some thoughts that hopefully be helped to you. If you have an office, if you've been given these grace gifts, one of these gifts, or maybe more than one of these gifts, or to use it uh, to profit with all. And so, again, just some thoughts here from the Word of God and hopefully to help to you here tonight.